Lord, love you. Made it to Friday. Congratulations. But it is Groundhog Day in a way, in a Bill Murray sense, not in an actual <laughs> sense, because we are once again facing uh, an onslaught of snow right at the beginning of the morning uh, commute. Yes. So it's it. we had a dusting overnight. It's going to be slippery on the side streets. The lodge was pretty clear, pretty but clear. one lane was kind of yucky. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So you may need a little extra time. Watch out I for get. those shiny spots. Yes. It's well, not just wet. It could be black ice, so <laughs> be careful. And you don't want to find out the hard way. No, you don't. So we've been talking a lot about the fact that this the Lions are America's team, right? Mm-hmm. Bet Online started scraping data for hashtags on social media like hashtag one pride or hashtag bills mafia and they found out that yes indeedy 26 states have the lions being the most mentioned team 26 you get over to the west coast yeah obviously 49ers has I think about six states, with the exception of Washington State, where right, the I Lions are, you know, are top. The, mm-hmm. the Bills uh, in Wyoming, Colorado, and Montana, kind of up through the the Rockies. Uh, it must be they. It's cold weather loves company, so they must feel an affinity <laughs> for Buffalo there. But other than that, it is nothing. When you look at a map of the United yeah. States, it's nothing but Honolulu blue and silver. Uh, Green Bay does get its own home state. None others. You know, Green Bay used to have kind of a national following. Uh, The the, cheeseheads. Yeah, the Texans get only Texas and Louisiana. Uh, So, But the Lions, right through the heartland, out to Arizona, New Mexico, um, and uh, the Dakotas, Minnesota, you name it. And up in New New England, uh, the the Bills don't extend east of New York State. Everybody loves the underdog. I got to tell you, people are just have an affection uh, for this team, and they understand that we've we've been waiting a long time, and we've <laughs> they, they, they've watched us suffer, and at least a, yes. appreciate uh, that uh, that we're going to be there. Did you take your vitamins today? You, uh, you take a multivitamin. I do not take a multivitamin. I take vitamin C. I probably need to take a multivitamin. So uh, a new report, and the interesting thing is, the study wasn't to confirm this, but it did. The, there was a study, uh, part of a, a, a much larger clinical trial, asking whether a daily multivitamin a cocoa extract supplement or both could protect against heart disease and cancer. What they found is that it postpones memory loss in older adults by two years. Fairly large study, 5,000 participants. Okay. That a multivitamin does protect you. And this was a a trio of studies that came to this conclusion. Uh, And it's been uh, published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. So it can't hurt no but bottom I, line and they got those little gummies now that are kind of tasty and whatever I for, if i forgot to take them it's not helping me yet yeah. that, but <laughs> <laughs> yes what happens if you've already forgotten to take, take them? them right yeah <laughs> then then you, you need you need your uh significant other to there leave a little note for you every day there or you just go. to put them on your uh, on your plate uh-huh. uh, overnight next to the coffee pot <laughs> Um, we've got, uh, it's been long time coming, but it looks like the Wayne County Jail Complex, uh, the, the, the county's finally going to get the keys sometimes. So. Yeah, Wayne County gearing up for the long-awaited move into its new multi-million dollar criminal justice complex, potentially operational this summer. After years of delays, officials expect to take control of the state-of-the-art facility from developer Bedrock Detroit in less than two weeks. The complex estimated at about 590 
$1.8 million will house a 2,200-bed jail. Offices for the sheriff and prosecutor staff and administrative offices, along with the criminal courthouse and juvenile detention facility. Now, a 2018 deal with Bedrock involved construction oversight in exchange for ownership of downtown sites. The complex was delayed due to the pandemic and supply chain issues. The official turnover triggers a month-long move process with transition teams initiating phases like equipment testing before personnel and stakeholders transition so it's been a long time coming uh they're going to get that new uh complex guy and uh they haven't talked about a name yet uh there had been uh inklings about naming it after our former uh sheriff uh, benny napoleon um that would be a nice tribute i think that may happen it hasn't happened yet but as it stands right now is the wayne county criminal justice complex well and it's a number of things in one so if you don't name the whole thing for benny you could certainly name part of it there you go right right the, the, the jail could be named, or the sheriff's office in the jail could be named after benny you got the prosecutor's yeah. office that could be named after someone else and you know juvenile detention somebody else yeah. we know that folks uh when they're rating political candidates right now are pretty angry at joe biden for the economy but when you ask them are you financially better off the majority of Americans are saying yeah. So they're not crazy about the economy, mm-hmm. but today we may find out if they're warming up. University of Michigan is going to release its consumer sentiment numbers uh, this morning. What time is that happening? Around 10 a.m. So okay. it's outside our show, unfortunately. But um, economists surveyed by the Wall Street Journal suggested it will take another jump. It jumped 14% last month for December. We'll find out again the January numbers today. Uh, but uh, consumer confidence for the, from the Federal Reserve report saw its biggest one-month gain since March of 2021. People are starting to feel better about the economy. They are now accepting the fact that inflation is falling. Mm-hmm. They're accepting the fact that uh, the recession, it looks like we're going to get the soft landing. Um, I think they're still upset that their paychecks haven't kept up with inflation. Right, right. But they're starting to warm to this. Now, so the paperwork is starting to catch up with what's going on in the kitchen table? Yeah. The, it, it, our weather may not be thawing, but our attitudes towards the economy. And I'm not saying that everybody feels this right, way. Right, But in general, um, folks are beginning to feel a little bit better about that. Big ruling yesterday about life sentences. And this could open the door to many uh, criminals convicted criminals in our correction system being freed early. Yeah, a significant decision by the Michigan Court of Appeals. It opens the door for more than 250 individuals serving life sentences to seek shorter terms. Yesterday's two-to-one ruling applies to a 2022 decision barring automatic life sentences for those who were 18 at the time of murder retroactively. John Poole, convicted at 18 for a fatal shooting in Wayne County in 2002, can now argue for a shorter sentence with probation opportunities. Now, the decision may impact others serving unconstitutional life without parole terms, allowing them to demonstrate rehabilitation. The state appellate defender office expressed gratification, emphasizing the chance for those like Poole to seek justice. Now, in 2012, the U.S. Supreme Court said anyone 17 or younger who is convicted of murder can't automatically be given a no parole sentence. In Michigan, the state Supreme Court subsequently extended it to anyone who is 18, but that question of whether it was retroactive had not been addressed at the time. So now it is. We uh, finally have a report on the Uvalde shooting uh, where so many young people lost their lives. No big surprises here, except there's a word that kept appearing, Lloyd, that I hadn't seen officially in the reports. And the word is courage, also cowardice. Yes. 
We hadn't, you, nobody had apparently felt comfortable using that word, this DOJ report. And it's a 575-page catalog of confusion, lack of courage, and it cost lives. This is Merrick Garland, the Attorney General. 33 students and three of their teachers, many of whom have been shot, were trapped in a room with an active shooter for over an hour as law enforcement officials remained outside. There was a lack of command and control. There weren't clean lines of command there. So there's systemic things, yes, but the bottom line was they were cowards. They were cowards and there were lives that could have been saved. Yes, and Kimberly Matarubio, her child was one of them. I hope that the failures end today and that local officials do what wasn't done that day do right by the victims and survivors of Rob Elementary, terminations, criminal prosecutions. Look, I, 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 who knows what was going through the minds of those officers when they arrived. And no one knows how they're going to react in a field of fire, right? Right. But the, the, the standard from now should be uh, not only that you go in and follow the normal protocols. If they'd done that, things would have been different. But you just assume that your child's in there. Mm-hmm. If you arrive at a scene with that in your head, it shouldn't be quite so hard. You run towards the to issue. hit that door. You run towards the problem and you stop. And then you breach. Exactly. You, you, you take them down and uh, take a lot of people with you. Stop the threat. Uh, when we come back, he is the voice of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Gene Deckerhoff. Uh, <laughs> you're going to love this guy. Uh, and he's got his take on how the Bucks are going to do what we should be watching for as fans. That's just ahead on JR Morning. Gene Deckerhoff is the longtime uh, radio play-by-play voice for Tampa Bay, joining us this morning. Gene, good morning. Hey, I hope it's uh, a little warmer up there than it is down here. I live in Tallahassee. It was uh, 24 degrees yesterday. Uh, but uh, hey, don't get the don't get the violin out. Play a sad song. Uh, I got a lot of <laughs> I got heavy clothes. I had to get those to come up to Detroit this week. Well, we've only got 22 here. Yeah. So uh, take uh-huh. what Kate, whatever you're wearing now is fine. Come, You'll be fine. It's a come as you are party. Um, <laughs> It'll so, be red. It'll be red. I'll promise you. You know, to, to Roger Goodell's comments that this is highly competitive and we do have some parity and teams can go from worst to highly competitive. You guys have really changed the narrative around your team as well. What has been the key to that as you head to Detroit? Well, I, I think that the number one, the, uh, the the drafting and the free agency signings uh, by the Buccaneers front office. Jason Light has done a tremendous job. The Buccaneers have been in salary cap purgatory since uh, the signing of Tom Brady. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, the Buccaneers are probably have the largest salary cap hit of any team in the National Football League. And, and so all, all the Bucs do is they go out draft players. That, that We have the one of the youngest teams in the NFL. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean a whole lot. But these are young guys that are playing at an NFL level, and that doesn't happen all the time. And, and that, give the success, one, to head coach Todd Bowles, but uh, 1A is to uh, Jason Light and that front office of the Buccaneers. Yeah. What a tremendous job they did. And how about the signing of Baker Mayfield? Nobody wanted Baker Mayfield. Yeah. The Buccaneers signed him. And, and I, I read an article somewhere, fellas, that uh, Baker Mayfield maybe is like the 49th highest-paid quarterback of the National it's Football It's the biggest bargain uh, in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now he just made a nice bonus with that one over Philadelphia. 
Uh, so he's got a lot of incentives built into that contract, but th- but his contract was guaranteed for four million dollars. Yeah. Everything else is uh, is gravy, I think, to to the Baker Mayfield family. That's a Costco contract. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 Gene. Uh, you know, as <laughs> as you know, the Lions uh, beat the Buccaneers back in October, uh, twenty to six. What's different now with the Buccaneers that we'll have to contend with this time on Sunday? Well, those those young players are now uh, they're veterans now. I mean, they played a full season in the National Football League, and uh, you know Trey Palmer, uh, sixth round draft pick, he catches a, a 52 yard touchdown pass. Uh, Kate Otten, uh, probably not the number one tight end prospect uh, when he was drafted last year by the Bucks. He has a career game, eight catches, 89 yards, and oh by the way, a Buccaneer record that surpassed the great Rob Gronkowski for most catches and most yards by a tight end in a postseason playoff game. But uh, those are the things we talk about. For the fans, it was a Buccaneer win over the Philadelphia Eagles. But uh, and then uh, David Moore, David Moore drafted by Seattle, a low draft pick, and uh, uh, been around the league for a while. He gets a 44-yard touchdown uh, catch, and, and it sort of replicated what he did against Green Bay. He broke the backs of the Green yeah. Bay Packers with mm-hmm. a 54-yard catch and touchdown run. Uh, he better hang on. He, he held on the ball a little longer when he scored this touchdown. But, uh, again, it revolves around Baker Mayfield. And uh, he has been the uh, – if there's a solidifying uh, force on this Buccaneer team in that locker room, it has to be Baker Mayfield. Here's a guy that, number one, was the first to walk on player in the history of college football to be named the Heisman Trophy uh, uh, winner. Uh, he's a number one draft pick. Uh, all of a sudden, yeah. he takes Cleveland to play. Now, you guys in Detroit, and your fans listening now, know how frustrating it is not to make the playoffs year in and year out. Cleveland was in the same boat. And Baker Mayfield took him to the playoffs, won a playoff game against Pittsburgh, almost beat Kansas City, although Patrick Mahomes was injured in that divisional game. But uh, then all of a sudden, Cleveland decides to go another direction. They give Watson a huge contract, and, and they they let Baker Mayfield go. He goes to Carolina. He had a high, he had not a high school, a college coach, Matt Rule, who was no longer in the NFL, a new offensive coordinator, and he said, hey, I want out of here. So then he goes to Los Angeles, plays a handful of games out there, won a game his first, and uh, then nobody wanted him. I don't right. think the Bucks were number one on his list, and the Bucks got a, a genuinely playoff-caliber quarterback in Baker Mayfield. Well, you point out, too, that if we double up on Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, that he has the wherewithal to get it to his other receivers yeah. as well. From your end of things, what are you going to do about Amon Rice St. Brown? And uh, <laughs> do you double up on him? Because we've got lots of weapons, too. <laughs> Uh, nobody's been able to handle that, that Southern Cal product, and uh, uh, Amon Ra is uh, the real deal. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard for me to believe it, the level he's playing the National Football League that he was not a, a first or second round draft pick. I mean, good golly! And he wore out the Buccaneers in that first game. And uh, uh, well, you know, again, I'm talking Baker Mayfield. Uh, you guys are talking Jared Goff because Jared has had a phenomenal season. And I watched that uh, playoff game, uh, and it was uh, that was the best playoff game of the weekend. By he the sure way, sure was. Uh, Except for the Bucks beating Philadelphia, that's that's number one on my list. But but as far as a viewer and, and not having a, a dog in that hunt, or as they say, uh, the, the 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 win over the Rams was huge. Now the Bucks fans were pulling for the Rams to win because we would have hosted the divisional round down in Tampa. But uh, uh, you know, I, I watched the uh, the, the Dallas Detroit game, and and I, I have to be honest, 
we had a game the next morning, the next early afternoon, and I and, and 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 I think Dallas picked off a pass there with less than two minutes to go. I turned the TV set off. Next thing I know, I missed one of the, <laughs> the worst, I missed one of the I missed one of the worst calls of the history of the National Football League. Oh, we <laughs> love you, Gene. Yes, we do. <laughs> I, I missed it. I, I fell asleep, and I saw it, you know, on, on replay. But uh, no, I, I thought I thought Dallas had that deal. I mean, and. Uh, uh, son of a gun, they held on there at the end. But uh, yeah, that that the, the the games the Buccaneers lost early. Uh, you know, I don't think there's a thing. Uh, the coaches don't say that revenge is a motive. But I played, you know, I played college basketball, and if we lost to a team. I was going to beat them the next time I played them, and and I, I think revenge was a bit of a factor in that game against Philadelphia. So who knows? Uh, also, an underdog, a home underdog, three and a half, four points uh, favorite Philadelphia. Uh, I think that all plays into the psyche. Uh, and I think the Todd Bowles is selling that psyche that hey, we're the underdogs. Nobody believes in us except us here in the locker room. And they go out and play. They play when the Buccaneers have played clean football. By that I mean few penalties, no drive killing penalties, uh, uh, no turnovers, and, 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 and execute on first down. Clean football. The Buccaneers have won. We played clean football in uh, 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 a win over the Green Bay Packers. I mean, Baker Mayfield had a perfect quarterback rating. First time ever an opposing quarterback has done that at Lambeau Field uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Another clean football game. And against the Philadelphia Eagles this past Monday, clean football. It, it, it produces wins. I know it sounds like coach speak, but it produces wins at the National Football League, particularly, particularly in the playoffs. Gene Dickerhoff, longtime radio play-by-play voice for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Thank you so much for joining us this morning on JR Morning and Go Lions. I hear you go. Fire them cannons. Go Bucks. <laughs> All right. Gene, thanks so much. Take care. Our next guest on JR Morning is among a group of mayors from major cities across the nation advocating for a critical public health issue. The mayor is currently gathered in Washington, D.C. for the 92nd winter meeting of the U.S. Conference of Mayors are joining forces to urge the White House to enact a final rule prohibiting menthol cigarettes. Now, research underscores the detrimental impact of menthol cigarettes, revealing their heightened addictiveness, ease of initiation among youth, and increased difficulty for smokers attempting to quit. To talk more about this subject, let's welcome in Lansing Mayor Andy Shore. Mr. Mayor, thanks for coming on. Good morning. Good, good morning. Thanks for having me. So I, I know while you've been there, you probably heard some experiences shared by some of the mayors at the uh, winter meeting there about how these uh, menthol cigarettes are directly harming their communities. Well, we have. We have. And honestly, you just said it all. Um, that's the, you know, the reason this is the research that's been going on. Um, I sponsored a resolution here uh, in the summer uh, to, to support the, the prohibition on the menthol cigarettes. Um, and we really thought it was going to be moving forward. It was going to happen. Uh, now we're not so sure. You know, there's there's some politics at play. You've got big tobacco who's coming in and saying that uh, that the president shouldn't do this. Um, one of their arguments was that uh, is that it discriminates in, against uh, uh, black folks in, in uh, communities of color. And you know, I stood up with uh, the mayor of Savannah, Georgia, the mayor of of Los Angeles, the mayor of St. Louis, and they all basically said that is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, they said that is crazy. The NAACP said that is crazy. You know, folks of color uh, shouldn't be um, uh, their kids shouldn't be made to be addicted to cigarettes using menthol at an early age. Um, so I, I think we're we're standing up to tell the president that you know, we got his back. 
this is the right thing to do to, to make sure that these, these menthol cigarettes are not out there so that kids are getting addicted at a younger age. Um, and I was proud to stand with, with, uh, with those mayors and tell the president we're ready to support him on this. It's the right thing to do. You know, good, good, uh, good policy is good politics in this case, and we think it's going to help him. Well, it, it is an election year, and it, it's <laughs> obvious that they, they don't want to tick off the, uh, the, the tobacco-producing states, and I, 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 I get that. But um, it, 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 do speak to the folks that are sitting out there saying, look, we all know the evils of smoking. Uh, we talk to our kids about the evils of smoking, even though we may, may not be the best uh, role models sometimes. And that this is just the nanny state again, coming and telling us what we can't do. And really, as adults, taking something away that we should be able to make a reasoned decision about. And it, it may start with menthol cigarettes. Pretty soon there will be uh, broadbands against cigarettes, maybe alcohol. And they're saying, when does when does it stop? What would you say to that? That's the old slippery slope argument, right? It's saying if you do one thing, then everything else is going to happen. At this point, you know, the conversation is not about all cigarettes. It's not about all tobacco. It's about uh, it's, it's illegal, right, for kids to smoke that are, you know, kids who are young. Who are right, that enforce 18. that. And that's, but this is something where they are they're becoming more addicted because of the menthol um, uh flavoring and the, the flavored cigarettes and things like that. This is something that that's not needed. We, we haven't seen people not smoking. Um, that's not what this conversation is about. It's about mm-hmm. menthol and it's about the research that's already been done. You know, I, I'm not, I'm here to tell you, you know, I tell my kids don't smoke and, and I hope they don't. Um, and my son is 19 and if he decides to, you know, that's his legal decision. But when, when someone says, Hey, try this menthol cigarette, and then they get addicted because of the flavoring, not because of, you know, putting something in your mouth and smoking it. Um, that is something that's directly going after our kids. And we do know, we know the research shows that, that, as you said, you know, the health, the health risks are dangerous. You can get cancer. You can get all kinds of different yeah. health uh, ailments if you smoke cigarettes. So this is something where it's, it's, uh, it's specifically done to, to get people addicted to the cigarettes when you use flavoring. And, and so that's why, you know, I think okay. it's important to do this. Um, and the research is there. And to not do it because of um, because of big tobacco making certain claims, that's just it's a big lobbyist spending a lot of money. It's not big tobacco that's telling me this. I mean, it's been listeners for seven years that I've been in his seat telling me, hey, um, I'm 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 an adult. I can make these these decisions. But is there a better way that we can get to a safer place, Mayor? Like, right. We had a wonderful conversation with someone from Tobacco Free Kids the other day saying Michigan is dead last when it comes to resources being spent on educating kids about the evils of, of tobacco? I don't disagree with that. I mean, I think we should, you should absolutely put more uh, dollars and resources into that. Uh, when I was in the legislature, I, you know, I supported efforts to, to put more money into that. We had a tobacco settlement, uh, and the money didn't actually go towards, towards uh, tobacco cessation. Um, now it went towards scholarships, which was a good thing. We wanted to try and help kids get into college. Um, but I don't, I don't think that's wrong. That's part of a, a bigger conversation of we have a – an enormous state budget, and where does all the money go? And now I never served on the Appropriation Committee, so uh, I can't tell you about those conversations, but I think that's part of the puzzle. But each piece is an important part of the puzzle. How do we educate people about the dangers of cigarettes, but also how do we prevent them from getting addicted through flavored cigarettes and, and menthol? And again, the research has been done that, that this is actually happening. Um, you don't see a rule to ban all tobacco and all cigarettes. You don't see a rule... Uh, I don't think they could do that by rule. It soon would have to be a law. 
but you know with the the menthol this is it's just a different animal this is something that's specifically there to get kids uh addicted and that's that's a problem that's what the research has shown and um in this case do what the research shows and not what the lobbyists are telling you we're speaking with uh, Lansing Mayor Andy Shore, who's at the 92nd Winter Meeting of the U.S. Conference of Mayors and joining forces with other mayors to urge the White House to enact a uh, final rule prohibiting menthol cigarettes. You know, Mr. Mayor, as the mayors unite at this Conference of Mayors, how can the communities get together and actively support and contribute to the efforts aimed at eliminating these menthol cigarettes? What can the communities do? Well, communities can certainly uh, provide the same, you know, the same advocacy um, to to the White House, to the folks that are you know making final decision on the rule, um, you know the mayors are there on behalf of their communities. Again, there were there were what five or six of us, um, and and I was proud to be part of it. Macon, Georgia, and um, just we were all there um, to push for this. But you know residents residents can can comment on the rule, and and you can send comments, and you can talk to your your member of Congress. You can send letters and uh, and calls to the White House, but. Really, it's it's advocacy to say this is what your your experts have have said, and it's time to move forward. Don't let the you know the big tobacco lobbyists try and scare you. Mm-hmm. Um, again, one of their big arguments was that communities of color will be adversely affected. And what I heard was was four you know four uh, mayors of color step up and say that's crazy. You know, don't don't get our kids more addicted um, just because we're communities of color. And again, the NAACP standing up and saying that's so you've got a, an external organization, not just mayors, but this external organization that represents uh, the African-American community. Um, so anywhere that, that they, they plug into any of these conversations, they should raise their voice. Well, when you look at the marketing, they're targeting the African-American community and victimizing them. You've got higher rates of smoking, sure. higher rates of cancer. Is a, really quickly before I let you go, I was talking with a former county clerk yesterday who is still in contact with a lot of other clerks who says, and I I don't know if you're seeing this with your city clerk, tremendous frustration with the new rules that were handed down from the ballot proposal for early voting, that they're just not getting the resources and the help they need to to enact those uh, things. Are you hearing that as well, that this is going to be a really frustrating and perhaps very costly uh, and maybe even inefficient election coming up? Our city clerk is actually really happy with all the um, the with the laws that were passed by the by the citizens of Michigan. Uh, we are opening up early voting, and we have early voting centers. Um, we are making it a lot easier to vote. We sent out information to every voter saying, "Here's what you can do." Um, our clerk loves it. I mean, in terms of getting repayment, the state you know the state said they're going to pay us back the money, and we need to make sure we get the repayment. And that's right. certainly something we're, we're working through. And I, I think it's it's a little delayed, but. Uh, but we've gotten the dollars from past elections. It just takes a little longer than we would like. But, no, it's not a problem um, with the policy. It's a problem with the support that they right. feel that they're not getting, right? I think we're getting it. It's just a little delayed. I think okay. that, uh, that some folks at the state are working through that. They they understand that. It's just a little delayed. But we're in terms of the, the users, right, the citizens, they are getting these these tools to make it easier to vote. We're just trying to get repaid quicker. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me. All right. Fighting the battle uh, against uh, big tobacco in Washington, D.C., Lansing Mayor Andy Shore. Time for Automotive Views, brought to you by Bridgestone. Getting people down the road matters, but getting generations down them, that's what really matters. Bridgestone. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. After half a decade of wandering through the calendar, the Detroit Auto Show returns to January next year. 
It's a victory for the downtown hotels and restaurants that have been missing out on midwinter customers since the last January show in 2019. But it's also a tacit admission of defeat for show organizers that the Motor City can no longer attract international automakers to reveal new models, present their executives to the media, or otherwise treat the show like a top-notch global gathering, because it isn't. It's a sad evolution for the once-dominant North American International Auto Show, but while the truth may sting, embracing reality is a good thing. The show's public days will no longer be competing with Michigan and MSU football, Tigers baseball, and some of the most beautiful weather of the year in this beautiful state. The press days will presumably be no more, and almost no one will miss them. With this week's Automotive View, I'm Jamie Butters, host of the Daily Drive podcast and executive editor of Automotive News. We have mapped the moon, but do you know that we have yet to map the Great Lakes and much of the ocean floor, too? But as we uh, work to make uh, our ecosystem in the Great Lakes state uh, more stable, uh, there needs to be a better understanding about that. And uh, something that would be a, a giant step forward is mapping the lake bed. And that is the uh, subject of a bill bipartisan, supported by Congresswoman Lisa McLean and also our next guest, Debbie Dingle, joining us live this morning. Good morning. Good morning, Guy. How are you? I'm good. So exactly <laughs> how how critical is this? Uh, every every bump, every crevasse, uh, what will it tell us about the, the lake bed that will make our uh, more ecologically sound? So this is what I'm going to say. We, I mean, you know, we're spending billions and millions of dollars studying the oceans, which is great. But the Great Lake regions, which we are a part of, which has more than 20% of the fresh water in the world. It provides over $6 trillion to America's GDP. It supports 51 million jobs. And we all know how critical it is to the shifting lifeline of the country. It's got more than 200 million tons of cargo shipped through them, and we don't have a thorough understanding of their underwater environment. So what this is going to do is to give the money so that we can thoroughly explore the Great Lakes. You know, just this week again, somebody, because the water got lower, they saw another shipwreck. You know, ancient civilizations have, you know, left their cultural imprints hundreds of feet below, and we need to know what's down there. We need to know what marine life is down there. So I think this is very late, but it is an exciting opportunity. Uh, Congresswoman, how how does the bill ensure that the mapping project takes into account the the interest and the and the perspectives of local communities and, and different industries and environmental groups that could be directly affected by the outcomes of the mapping? We will make sure that uh, the, all those processes are in place. You know, Lloyd could talk to you this morning too, but um, if the the administrator of NOAA, which is the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, is part of Commerce, and they would be conducting the high-resolution, I think it's called bathymetric mapping, on the lake beds. But um, they would also be working with EPA, and we'll make sure working with them that the lo- that they'll do this as part of their process, communicating with the local communities when they're in there when they are mapping, when they're looking at it, what they are finding. Uh, you know, I've got 
down rivers, which has got a lot of, I'm working with a group of people right now in the Arkema project. And there's another project on the Great Lakes Initiative that is going to uh, get rid of sediment that's over there by Riverview and Trenton. Communities are worried. I'm bringing in the EPA administrator next week for a town hall meeting so people can talk about all of these issues. And we will make sure that, that the processes they have in place are kept in place for all of these kind of projects. And they are talking to the community. I think it's fascinating. And there's been, you're right, there has been some interesting things uh, uh, regarding prehistoric communities uh, that are underwater. Mm-hmm. That, uh, and and uh, some relics from, from those, uh, I mean, past epics. So it would be interesting to see. I want to ask you, obviously, the, the money was supposed to run out tonight. Uh, Congress yesterday averted the shutdown with a vote. Uh, Democrats joining with about half of Republicans in the House to get that passed. But I think there's general agreement that this deficit spending is unsustainable long term. So where do you stand on this fiscal responsibility commission they're talking about creating? Do you think that could really have a meaningful impact? Uh, You want to know my straight truth? Most people think on the Democratic side that it's a commission to cut Social Security. We'll see what comes out of it. Uh, we do have to cut the budget. But well, not for current really- recipients, though, but we do need to have a discussion about, I mean, Social Security is going to go bankrupt in eight years, isn't it? That's not that the forecast. Well, but, you know, so it's got to be addressed. It's got to be addressed, but it needs to be specifically addressed. How do you keep Social Security strong? And the fact of the matter is, is we have already made it stronger by, you know, the, it, the cutting the cost of insulin to $35, the reducing I wish we were going faster, to be perfectly frank, but we Medicare will be negotiating uh, lower drug prices for Medicare prices. That's going to be an immediate savings. To It's going to lower the cost of what Medicare is costing people. Are there other things? You know, why do we cap it at, um, at a certain level? Why shouldn't billionaires and millionaires be paying more into the Social Security system? I think we need to be looking at all of these things. How do you lower the cost? of what Medicare is paying out, obviously a big part of that is lowering the cost of prescription drugs that they're paying for. But there are other things we need to be looking at that way. But there's not the will to do it. So do we need someone? You know what? I disagree that there's not the will to do it. We cannot. Do you think I'm going to let, hey, you and I are, you know, we're going to be dependent on that sooner than later. We want to make sure it's solved. We can't let, do you know how many people? You and I are a luckier guy probably than a lot of others that Mm -hmm. we're not totally dependent upon just our Social Security. Do you know how many seniors in this country? We used to have a three-legged stool. So many people don't have pensions anymore. They don't have IRAs or Keogh. Social Security is all they have to live on. Uh, you know, uh, and Congresswoman, I, I'm I'm getting kind of deja vu going back to the continued resolution. I'm kind of getting deja vu because it was nearly an identical situation when, uh, you know, Speaker uh, Johnson, when they needed the Democrats, well, Speaker Kevin McCarthy, rather, needed Dem- the Democrats to pass that short-term funding extension. And then, you know, people got mad at the, the uh, motion to remove and Kevin McCarthy and all of that. So now we're going to be going through this again. Is somebody going to? Going to bring that up, and are we going to have to deal with that? So it is deja vu. We were asked for the votes. We gave them the votes. I think it would have been irresponsible to have shut the government down, period. You know what I would I don't – look, I'm not a member of the Republican caucus. This is a Republican caucus issue. 
But I think we've had enough instability in the House of Representatives. We lost weeks as they were going through what was almost embarrassing, uh, as they had different candidates and they couldn't get the votes. Republicans need stable leadership. We, you know, I actually, I'm, I'm a pain in the whatever right now, both sides of the caucus. Jim Harbaugh taught us something. He taught America that teamwork produces victors. Republicans need, all of us, by the way, Republicans and Democrats if, for the country need to be working as a team. But Republicans can't even work together as a team. And they got to figure it out. They have so many factions in there. It's hurting their caucus and it's hurting the country. Debbie, always uh, looking forward to connecting with you. We will find out what's on the floor of the Great Lakes. Perhaps there's an alien base down there or a a Loch Ness monster. We shall see. Thanks for your time. Lots of good things. All right. Be safe, guys, in the snow. Every Friday is reason to celebrate, but even more so when you're looking at a Lions playoff game come Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. And as we gear up for that, uh, we'll keep you abreast on all those things. We're going to be checking in uh, with, uh, I, I think he, he you got to call him our super fan. Uh, his name's <laughs> Benjamin Kaplan, a season ticket holder for 66 years. You, perhaps you've already seen him, but we're going to get his take on the game. Kind of help help him set the table for this big playoff game with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're going to be hitting town sometime early tomorrow. We know that here in the state of Michigan, we had this big population council, a lot of oxygen expended on uh, on, on trying to grow Michigan's population. Well, a new research coming out of Michigan State University really raises some doubts about whether that uh, is is going to be something we can do because an astonishing number of Michiganders, Lloyd, say. We have no interest in having children. And what will be the repercussions there for our birth rate and our ability right. to internally grow our population? That means that basically for population growth, we either have to bring in immigrants from outside our borders, both domestically and internationally, um, if, or, or if certainly do a better job of having the kids we do produce stay here. But Michigan State found that one in four Michigan adults say they are uninterested in having children. That is a, uh, that's a 33% leap since the Supreme Court decision on abortion two years ago. Now, they're tying this to the Dobbs decision. Them not wanting to have children? Yeah, and, and that, that it's become about uncertainty about reproductive health is what is, is driving this. Mm-hmm. I think they got it. Bass Ackwards. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think if you look at the starting point for this jump, it's when inflation began becoming a big problem. I think this is more about people saying, I can't afford to have kids and saying, that's why I'm child free. Yeah, not affording it and, and maybe just not wanting to bring a child into the world we live in now, which is, you know, so divided in a lot of places in a lot of ways. Yeah. Now, this has been Peer-reviewed, 2,500 Michigan adults surveyed um, in the months. This is dating back to the pandemic uh, and pre-Dobbs. 21% of Michigan adults identified themselves as not wanting to have children. Then it jumped to 26 after Roe was overturned. So they're making that correlation. Again, I I think it's it's the wrong wrong correlation. (laughs) If you talk to... Uh, young marrieds and uh, young uh, people cohabitating. It, it isn't about the desire. Mm-hmm. It's about financial 
capability. They can't afford a house. They feel they can't afford kids either. Right. Um, we continue in the battle against fentanyl, and uh, perhaps a very important tool and weapon is going to be, become more accessible. Yeah, a guy in a groundbreaking move to address the opioid epidemic. Wayne County has unveiled a substantial initiative. County Executive Warren Evans, in collaboration with Wayne State University's Center for Behavioral Health and Justice, announcing the deployment of 100 naloxone, that's Narcan, vending machines across the county. The uh, This will mark the largest investment in Narcan access in U.S. history with the medication provided free of charge. Executive Evans highlighted the urgency. I think a lot of us have, uh, you know, some personal stories, if we're being honest about it, as it relates to drug overdoses uh, of people that we know, family members and, and others. Uh, and it is a huge problem that we feel a need to really tackle and do something about. Evan says part of that means making sure the disease of drug use is not a death sentence, as it has been for too many young people in Wayne County and across the country. In 2021, Guy, more than 100,000 Americans died of drug overdoses, and that's according to the CDC. Um, we've got a, a real showdown coming up at the Michigan Republican Party, and we're going to be talking with Peter Hoekstra, who wants to be the uh, new chair of the state Republican Party. But a, a, a letter going out, cease and desist letters, and then we had this, a group calling themselves Unshackle the Mitten sent this missive out to Republicans. It says, we at Unshackle the Mitten firmly believe in our hearts and souls that Christina Caramo has been ordained by God to put an end to human trafficking, the World Economic Fund, and to save Michigan and our country. Uh, Christina has been under attack by the deep state cabal and rhino since before she even took office. You know, the term rhino is one of the most overused insults out there. These are good Republicans that have been around for a long time, probably have given more to the party uh, mm-hmm. than most of the people that are, are wielding that word. Uh, and in fact, that's an a- absolute lie. If, if you look at the people that are standing against her, all of them were MAGA Republicans, still very pro-Trump. And all they're saying is, is hey, we need some fiscal accountability. We need to get out of debt. Uh, We heard yesterday from Vance Patrick, who also wants to be chair, who said, look, I volunteered to let her use our county offices rent free. Yeah. And she turned turned us down. Yeah. Uh, And I heard that from other county leaders as well, subsequent to that conversation. Anyway, we're going to be talking with Peter Hoekstra about that. But I didn't know that she was ordained by God. I didn't uh, know that either. To to be the leader of the Republican Party. And I didn't actually know that God weighed in on such things. I I, I thought he's got a lot of stuff to to handle. Isn't it supposed to be a separation of church and state? Yeah. Okay. Apparently. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) uh, Pete Hoekstra next here on uh, JR Morning. Um, Time for WJR Business Beat. Sponsored by Shelving.com. We rack your world. Let's bring in Jeff Sloan. Uh, founder of CEO of Startup Nation to look at the tech and startup community here on WJR. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Guy, Lloyd, and Jamie. Starting a business can be daunting, lonely, and no doubt challenging. Well, we're lucky to have establishments to help entrepreneurs make their dreams come true here in the Detroit region. One such standout organization, of course, it's Tech Town, based right here in Detroit. And now, TechTown has been recognized by the state of Michigan as an entrepreneurial hub, and that means they'll be receiving millions of dollars in federal grant funding. TechTown and the Detroit Economic Growth Corporation, the DEGC, 
were among 27 establishments across the state and the only two directly in the city of Detroit to receive the designation in November from the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Now, the grants TechTown and DEGC and the 25 other awardees will be receiving average $2.7 million each, but these two Detroit organizations will be receiving $3.4 million each, and the hubs will offer resources such as one-on-one coaching, cohort-based learning, and accelerators, mentor matchmaking, pitch competitions, networking events, access to capital, and other services critically needed by those aspiring to start a business and those that already own one. Where are the funds to support this program coming from? Well, the MEDC Small Business Support Hubs Program, which is funded by a one-time appropriation using American Rescue Plan Act dollars to create and operate programs to support small businesses impacted by COVID-19. Now, that American Rescue Plan Act is a federal program, so ultimately the funds are coming from the feds, not directly from the state. So federal funds flowing into our region guide to support startups, that's a good thing. We're fortunate to have the capital, and we're fortunate to have organizations like TechTown and DEGC to deploy it in the way that no doubt will make a difference. I'm Jeff Sloan, founder and CEO of StartupNation.com, the source for everything you need to start and grow your own business. And that's today's business beat on the great voice of the Great Lakes, WJR. Checking the radar, um, Macomb County getting some pretty significant snow in its northern and central regions, the eastern part of Oakland County. But for the most part, Washington and Wayne County, clear of snow for the moment, but we know how quickly that can change. As I said, there's going to be a big showdown this weekend. Uh, elements of the Republican Party who want Christina Karama removed as state party chair are going to meet. There, We anticipate there will be a vote in the meantime. Uh, Christina Karamo and her supporters have sent out cease and desist letters to 11 leading Republicans uh, claiming copyright infringement uh, uh, and party trademarks are being abused. And they also are demanding that they stop defaming uh, the current leadership of the Michigan GOP, if they are still in the leadership. Uh, One of those that got a cease and desist letter is former congressman, former ambassador to the Netherlands, and now a candidate for state party chair, Pete Hoekstra. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning. Good to be with you. So the fact that you're with us it's kind of indicates you're neither ceasing nor desisting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought maybe we could talk about Michigan football or yeah. Michigan State, Michigan State basketball. Well, uh, for the fact, you know, the fact of the matter is, number one, I have not received a cease and desist order. The uh, I've read reports of this. Uh, in the newspapers and different media and those types of things. And the media have called and asked about it and said, well, you know, number one, I haven't received it, so I don't know where they sent it. Uh, and obviously until I, I get an official copy and actually have the opportunity to review it uh, with legal counsel, uh, I have no idea with, uh, what it means. I, my, my gut, uh, you know, a marketing guy doing lawyering is always a problem okay yeah uh but you know my deep legal skills tell me number one karamo uh in the group you know they were voted out on january 6th they have no legal standing anymore in the michigan republican party uh so you know the uh on january 6th she was removed uh the the group uh, that removed her followed all the bylaws of the state party 
uh, it was a an appropriate step, and tomorrow they will uh, again, following the rules of the uh, of the party, they will elect a new permanent state party chair. You know, Pete, the 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 bylaws part is is beginning to be confusing because you got one side who said, well, they they need to read the bylaws, and you have the other side that say they need to read the bylaws. <laughs> it's like you know, we don't know what the truth lies. In the middle somewhere. Yeah, well, uh, uh, probably not in the middle. Uh, the, the truth will, you know, the RNC uh, will have to go through the process. Uh, they will have to see both arguments, and it will be black and white. They will, they will pick uh, the, you know, they will do the analysis, and they will pick the group that followed the bylaws of the state party. So it's not like. Hey, why don't you guys go back and uh, you know renegotiate this or relitigate it or whatever? No, they uh, it will either be the RNC or a court uh, that will have to determine uh, you know which group is correct. I'm trying to figure out though how you infringed on the trademark or infringed on the copyright. I'm I'm not understanding that part. Yeah, are you are you using their letterhead, the state party letterhead no. at this point? Yeah. No, because uh, number one, I'm not. I'm not even a part of. I mean, I'm a Republican, uh, but you know, I'm not representing the either one of the two factions. Uh, I'm a candidate. I'm representing myself as a candidate to be the chairman of the state party. And you know, the uh, w- what a frustrating thing to be talking about, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, cease and desist. You know, the the only people that need to cease and desist uh, that Republicans should be focused on. Uh, are the Biden administration and the Whitmer administration. They need to cease and desist their policies. They're killing the U.S., uh, you know, and uh, they're hurting the state of Michigan. Uh, that's what we need to be focused on. Uh, but, you know, they've, they've chosen to focus on other things, and that's why, uh, you know, Karama was voted out uh, on January 6th. So I was... We need to be focusing on these big issues. I was with some Republicans last night, some, some insiders who said, you know, I, they're really pulling for you and they would love to see you elected. And it, let's presume that you are and you're the new state party chair. Are we getting way over the, our skis, though, knowing that perhaps in two weeks Donald Trump will be the presumptive nominee and he could say, no, I recognize Christina Caramo as the state party chair. Could or, or should we be waiting for that to work itself out? I don't think Donald Trump is going to weigh in on the which side of the party follow the procedural. Uh, and he weighed in on a lot of stuff in twenty two, didn't he? Uh, he did, and I think maybe he learned his lesson uh, that for some of the stuff uh, he will not weigh in. I, you know, and I think he recognizes uh, that this is the decision of the uh, of the RNC. Hey, if the president came in. And, you know, they, this happens with the National Committee uh, after a nominee is, uh, you know, after we have a nominee. Yeah. Uh, the, the president puts in place the person that he wants to run the Republican National Committee. Uh, and I expect that he, it will continue to be run a Romney. But if the president, you know, in two weeks said, I want this person as a state party chairperson, I think we would follow his wishes. The president uh, is entitled uh, and should yeah. have his person uh, leading the state party. But that typically, uh, that doesn't happen. He have you sought his blessing? No. Okay. No. 
I think the president knows what uh, what's going on in the state of Michigan. Uh, I think this is one for the state committee uh, to work through the process. Uh, you know, we try to be adults in the room. Sometimes it doesn't always uh, turn out that way. Uh, but no, for running the Michigan State Party, uh, that is the responsibility of the state committee, and that's what they're doing. And, and Peter, if you became the head of the state GOP, what's what's the first thing that has to be done immediately? Well, you have to resolve. The first thing that has to be done is you have to resolve uh, this dispute. This dispute as to who is the legitimate GOP in Michigan, uh, and then you have to go out and and earn the trust and confidence of the grassroots Republicans. You have to earn the trust of your donor class. Uh, and, you know, we've got a lot of work to do here. Uh, you know, we've got nine months to get it done before the election. So, uh, yeah. you know, it's all hands on decks. We need to unify the party. We need to present the vision of what we're going to do when we win uh, the election in November and what Michigan and the United States will look like beginning January of 2025 uh, with re- Republican leadership in both Washington and Lansing. And Pete Hoekstra, just final question. We've only got 60 seconds left, but why are you the man that can unify the party? The, uh, you know, I've done this. I've, I worked with Newt Gingrich. Uh, he asked me to, you know, to help on the contract of, with America in 1993. Uh, you know, that brought unity and brought the first Republican majority to the House of Representatives in uh, 40 years. Most recently in 2016, Donald Trump called and said, Pete, will you co-chair the, my campaign in Michigan? Because every sitting Republican congressman said no at that time. I did. I helped uh, support the president. Uh, we won Michigan. We won the presidency. We can do it again in 24. When Donald Trump wins Michigan, uh, he helps all the down tick down ticket races mm-hmm. uh you know we have a good shot at winning the senate okay. the state house and expanding our congressional majority pete hookster thanks for for joining us we'll see how it turns out in the vote and we'll talk to you then take care as we watched the lions playoff win last week i mean there were so many fine moments lloyd but the, oh, the best yeah. thing is just watching the fans in the stands who have been so loyal yes for so many years Finally getting a nice reward. <laughs> and one of the gentlemen, I, I kept seeing shots of this handsome guy uh, in the stands, this silver fox, uh, 89-year-old uh, Benjamin Cap. And then I find out that his daughter and I uh, have been a workout group for probably the better part of 10 years. Small world. It's a small world. And we welcome Lions super fan and secret weapon. <laughs> Benjamin Cap to WJR Morning. Good morning, sir. Oh, good morning. I'm not sure you're talking about me. <laughs> I, I I am. I got to tell you, I, I you're my hero. I want to look as good as uh, as you do when I'm 89, if I make it that far. Um, it, it, do you think the the the, the Lions and, and being a fan uh, has it added years to your life, or has it taken years off? <laughs> I don't know. I- reach this far, I guess it's adding it. So, I'll keep plugging away. And, and, and you know, uh, Ben, during the broadcast, you received just almost as much FaceTime as Matt Stafford. I mean, how's the response been since then? I know your phone has probably been ringing and pinging and stuff. How are you handling this sudden spotlight? Yeah, it's uh, been incredible. I mean, the phone call, I mean, I've had 
of, I don't know, at least 350 phone calls. And uh, they're from all over the country. Uh, just everybody's seeing this, and uh, I, I don't really know what's <laughs> why it's so important, but everybody seems to enjoy it. Well, you and, really, uh, I mean, you've become a symbol for every Lions fan, except yeah. that your tenure is, at 66 years is longer than a lot of them, and it's, it's, it speaks to the loyalty. Just remind us how this love affair with this team began. It was 1957? Yes, we were uh, we were at the uh, championship game. My brother and two of my buddies, Danny Bosha and Don Crew, and of course the game was fabulous. It, we uh, it was a big win, so I got excited, my brother and I, and so we said, Let, "Let's get let's get some season tickets." Of course, they were very expensive, about eight dollars. and uh that's what began and then uh we kept them year after year Uh, my son was born i knew that maybe in five or six years i'd be taking him to the games and same with my brother and his his boys so uh, we've kept them that long and uh even through the down years, the game is still exciting. Football is something we both enjoyed. And we've always had, uh, you know, two to four great players on every team. We just never had a complete team. And, and, so that's how we enjoyed it, and we decided to keep it, and uh, here we are. And and Ben, as someone who attended games at Old Tiger Stadium, Pontiac Silverdome, and now Ford Field, are, are there some some memories you have some of, of in these different venues that kind of stand out? Uh, yes, obviously at Briggs Stadium, they were very cold <laughs> those games, and uh, but they were fun. Uh, you begin to know the fans that are seated near you, and you get you build up friendships, and that that was fun. And uh, then we moved to the Silver Dome, and of course Barry Sanders just lit up the dome. So you know I didn't care if they're winning or losing. I had to see Barry. What a fantastic uh, football player and the best ever. And then they moved to Ford Field, and that was wonderful because now I'm only 20 minutes away from home. <laughs> Helped a lot. <laughs> and uh, uh, the Ford Field is a great spot, a good uh, uh, stadium. And uh, since it's covered, uh, it's, uh, you can put up with the winter months much easier. The the Lions have asked you to to show up early for Sunday's game. I, I got a feeling they have maybe some some honors uh, planned for you. Have they hinted at, at what they're going to be doing and why they need you there uh, ahead of time? Well, they say I'm going to meet somebody, but they won't tell me who. Mm. Somebody important. Interesting. Okay. So well, I... I'm willing to wait. <laughs> 
who it is. So I'm looking forward to it, of course. Well, you know, I would bet that that uh, Mrs. Ford might like to thank you for your years of loyalty because I think other than you, she may be the only one that has <laughs> has longer tenure uh, than than you uh, and has seen more football than you have. Going back, you know, we always ask, who's your lion? Jared Goff, obviously great. Amon Ross, St. Brown, incredible. We've got a, a great tandem of running backs. But looking back over your 66-year history with the team, Who's your favorite player? Well, it's Barry Sanders. But I, if I go back further, Joe Schmidt was my favorite. He's still with us. And he's still with us, yes. Yeah. Uh, he's, he was not just a great player. He was a, a, a good human being and uh, yeah, very nice man. So I liked him a lot. Uh there's so many of them, uh, hard for me to even remember their names. You know, Ben, you, you contributed as a fan being there all these years, but you also contributed through your company, which I understand made and installed the Marble Lion logos at Ford Field. How does it feel to have your own indelible mark at that stadium? Yeah, that's kind of exciting, really. Uh, we've had... Not only that, I, our family business, uh, we've done just about all of the Ford family homes also. And uh, so those have been great experiences. Well, and I understand uh, you had a relationship with Marshall Fredericks when it came to the Spirit of Detroit statue as well. Yes, we, uh, Marshall, I became a good friend of Marshall, and we installed uh, many of his, works around the city area yeah, and, uh, he was a great great person also providing so the, a, the marble bases did you i gotta ask you because you've got this great historical perspective and our, this is question comes from our producer nick roddy which stadium do you think would have been louder the silver dome or ford field Uh, well, we, we know that you're excited for, for Sunday. Uh, you're taking a larger group this time. No, uh, the same, uh, same group will be, I have four seats. And, uh, so it's my son, uh, two of the grandsons and myself. So that's what we'll be. But three generations of fans is pretty incredible. Uh, well, you are our our secret weapon. Uh, you are the, the symbol of every uh, Lions fan <laughs> who has been waiting all these many years uh, for this kind of success from the team. And and drink it up, Ben. It's 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 wonderful that you're getting this attention. But do get some rest too. Okay, I'll do that. And uh, I'm I I've said in a few interviews that this is not just about me. It's about all the fans. No question. All I mean, the same. But you represent and, us uh, so well. I'm proud to represent them. So thanks.
All right. Well, we will be watching for Sunday. Excited to see what this honor is and um, enjoy the game, sir. Thank you very much. And congrats right. on your show. Oh, well, thank <laughs> you. Thank you. We're having an awful lot of fun. And gosh, there's just nothing to talk about these days. <laughs> no, just not a lot. And not a lot. <laughs> thank you so much, sir. Do take care. And our, our best to your daughter, Lynn, who's she's just a sweetheart. Those $8 tickets. Yeah, can you imagine that? <laughs> can you imagine From that? From $8 to, to what? $800? Well, 12000 if you believe yeah. the, the one site. <laughs> By the way, Rod Maloney crunched some numbers at Local 4. He went back and looked at all the six, uh, 66 seasons where Benjamin Cap had... Uh, had seats. Okay. And the win-loss record over that time was 429 wins, 539 losses, and 18 ties. Wow. Uh, and, uh, you know, and there were a lot of those years where it was, you know, maybe it was fewer than half by a long shot that you saw in terms of wins, and yet he kept kept going. When we come back, going to be talking uh, with uh, the Lansing Bureau Chief for the Detroit Free Press about the surplus that's coming to the Michigan budget and also the dust up over the Republican Party. That's next on JR Morning at 749. This escalating internal battle within the Michigan GOP continues. Christina Caramo's administration firing off cease and desist letters alleging trademark and Copyright infringement and defamation of character, among other things. The letters warn that the Karamo administration will take any and all legal remedies available, including potential lawsuits seeking money damages if the alleged actions continue. Now, the fellow, fellow Republicans dispute her status as state party chair, and here to unpack the twists and turns of this political showdown is Paul Egan, Lansing Bureau Chief for the Detroit Free Press. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. So uh, what's your perspective on these cease and desist letters uh, sent uh, by uh, Christina Caramo's folks and, and, and people, you know, I, I'm trying to understand, uh, you know, this defamation of character and, and trademark and copyright infringement. What is that all about? Sure. Well, it, it's really just another sign that this battle is probably going to end up in the courts very soon. We had actually expected the, the, anti-Karamo forces to to file the first lawsuit, and that may still happen. But basically, we have a, a battle going on over who is the real chair of the Michigan Republican Party. And, and, you know, where you get into copyright and trademark is, you know, that Michigan Republican Party is, is, a, is a trademark. And if the other group is using it, using their logos improperly, you know, that could be something that, that's actionable. Um, you know, the, I guess the, the ironic part is all of, this, all of this steam and energy is being expended right now by these two sides, and they're fighting over, you know, what is arguably, you know, really scraps of what was once the mighty Michigan Republican Party. Uh, they no longer have a headquarters. They no longer have big donors. Um, Republicans that want to get elected to the state house are basically working around them. They they've worked up their own fundraising mechanisms. Yeah. They've got people like former Governor Rick Snyder helping to raise money uh, because um, you know it, it's just not uh, not what it not what it once was. But um, uh, this is all going to come to head in the courts. It looks like. Well, before it gets to the courts, isn't there going to be a, a, some kind of a meetup and vote this weekend? Um... 
I know yes, we were talking yeah. to Vance Patrick yesterday, the Oakland County chair, and we have, we've also talked with Pete Hoekstra. Uh, they're expecting that they could be elected this this weekend. That's right, guys. So they're there to hold a, uh, a meeting Saturday to uh, elect a new chair. Now, the of course, the problem with that is that um, they, you know, they're meeting to remove the existing chair. Christina Caramo was declared null and void by Christina Caramo. You know, what's interesting is as of this morning, the Republican National Committee, the National Republican Organization, still has Christina Caramo listed on their website as the state party chair. And, you know, and they're the ones who they've, they've, they've not gotten involved in this fight yet, at least publicly, but, um, you know, they're somebody that would have a lot of influence in, in, in sorting this out short of the courts. And right now they still have Christina Caramo. So, you know, basically the, the anti Caramo people are likely to hold this meeting tomorrow, elect, one of those three candidates as chair or possibly somebody else. But again, the, the, the current state party will not recognize that. And, you know, it really, in some ways, it doesn't really move the ball very far down the, down the court, you know, either, either the RNC or, or the courts is going to at some point say who is the rightful chair of the state party. Paul, you uh, wrote a story uh, this morning in the Free Press. Uh, there was a report released yesterday uh, saying that an informal quota system or in the lack of supervision uh, where uh, MSP patrols may be contributing to some racial disparities. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, th- this report, um, basically the state police commissioned it after there were studies showing that you know, the black motorists were getting pulled over disproportionately to white motorists. And it was also the term of a settlement of a, of a, of a racial profiling lawsuit that was brought against them. And, and the authors of this report said, well, you know, we didn't really find, you know, racism or intentional discrimination, but we found a lot of problems in their systems that, that would contribute to this. And one of them is they're saying, you know, because you know, the state police denies they've ever had these ticket quotas, but if you talk to troopers, they, they say, you know, we need to we need to have so many, you know, per hour or else we're going to get in trouble. And and so they're saying, you know, the police are congregating in high traffic areas, which tend to be urban areas where, where, where more black people live and that that could be contributing to uh, why more um, why disproportionate black drivers are getting pulled over. How, how, so what's the what's the the answer to this? What are they going to do about this? Have they said? Well, they've said a couple of things. That one one of the main things that they've said in response to that is that they're going to try to make clear to troopers that you know that performance isn't measured simply by how many drivers you pull over and how many tickets you write. Right. It could also be measured by you know community engagement. Uh, you know if you've you know, stop to, um, you know, talk to a community group or, or, you know, you know, help some kids in a neighborhood, you know, that, that they, there are other ways of measuring them also said that, you know, that they're going to have better control over, you know, that, that, that troopers won't just be able to patrol wherever they want, that the supervisors will make an effort to make sure they're patrolling the whole post district, not just the most populated uh, 
portions of it. Uh, Paul, very quickly, we only got a minute left here, but it, you know, how is that surplus uh, that was documented by the House Consent Fiscal Agency, how is that going to be spent and, and, and the taxpayers getting any money back? Uh, definitely not getting any money back if Governor Whitmer will have anything to say about it. She's basically said that uh, any any more tax cuts are not in the works. So basically, there will be some extra money to spend on some programs, and we'll hear about that, you know, possibly in the state of the state, which is coming up later this right. month, but certainly in the in the budget early February. We will be up there uh, with you in Lansing for the state of the state, and look forward to seeing you and our other colleagues out there, Paul. Until then, have a great weekend. Go Lions, and take care. Thanks a lot. Happy Friday to you as uh, we enter the weekend with a Lions playoff game coming up Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. Had a great conversation with Benjamin Cap, who's the uh, 89-year-old Lions fan who's had season tickets. 89 years young. Yes. I got to say. He looks good. Um, you think for all the heartache that that team has put him through <laughs> over 66 years, uh, that uh, that uh, it would take its, its toll on him. But he is an amazing guy. And you can check out our podcast at WJR.com. And, and just you'll love meeting him. He is he is a positive vibe machine. And something special is going to happen down at Ford Field. Yeah. I don't know. But he says they say he's going to meet somebody. You know, I have an idea, but we'll see. I think Martha Firestone Ford is going to have a little something for him, perhaps. I think so, and too. He did say Barry Sanders was his favorite player. He did and say that. Barry, He's probably going to be at the game, that's too. Right. Yeah. yeah. He also had fond things to say in other places about guys like Alex Karras and, you know, some of the great. Mm-hmm. My God, we had some great characters we back did. in the 60s. Um, but, uh, you know, so as we head into the weekend, everybody feeling good around here. Question is, how do you feel about the economy? Uh, there is a new Axios Vibe survey that came out that said, while Americans are pretty sour on the economy as a whole, or at least have been, they're pretty optimistic about their own finances and their outlook for 2024. It wasn't like that with their finances not too long ago because it was on paper no. that everything was good, but people were still feeling it at the kitchen table. Well, and they still are to some degree. But uh, at 10 o'clock today, University of Michigan is, is looked to as kind of being the gold standard when it comes to assessing consumer confidence, which tells us a lot about their spending patterns. And at 10 o'clock, they're going to release their numbers for the month of, of uh, January. And uh, how we're doing thus far, and, and and looking back. So, but the, the the New York Fed does the same thing, and consumer confidence saw its biggest one month gain in December since March 2021. So people beginning to feel better as the incomes kind of catch up, and I think you ask more people, they're still pretty uh, pretty agitated over the fact we had to go through this in the first place. And I think that's why you see, uh, you know, President Biden's approval rating, according to ABC, now at 33 percent. And uh, that's not good. But uh, we'll see how uh, how y'all feel about the economy and what it means for business coming up. Meantime, a a giant step for so many people really concerned about fentanyl. And we've seen so many innocent people, children, cops, not just addicts, but people that come in contact with. With this stuff, because it's so deadly, even in the most minute um, measurements. But we've got a new weapon out there. Yeah, it's a groundbreaking move uh, to address this opioid epidemic. Wayne County has unveiled a 
substantial initiative. Uh, the county executive, Warren Evans, in collaboration with Wayne State University's Center for Behavioral Health and Justice, announcing the development of one, uh, the deployment rather, of 100 Narcan vending machines across the county. This marks the largest investment in Narcan across U.S. history with the medication provided free of charge. Executive Evans talked about the urgency. I think a lot of us have, uh, you know, some personal stories, if we're being honest about it, as it relates to drug overdoses uh, of people that we know, family members, and, and others. Uh, and it is a huge problem that we feel a need to really tackle and do something about. Now, Evan says part of that means making sure the disease of the drug use is not a death sentence, as it has been for too many young people, a guy in Wayne County and across the country for that matter. Speaking of death sentences, um, young people convicted of serious crimes have been convicted to life without parole, mm-hmm. basically death in prison. That may be changing for dozens of former juvenile offenders who were convicted. Yeah, a significant decision by the Michigan Court of Appeals opening the door for more than 250 individuals serving life sentences to seek shorter terms. Yesterday's two-to-one ruling applies to a 2022 decision barring automatic life sentences for those who were 18 at the time of a murder retroactively. John Poole, convicted of at 18 for a fatal shooting in Wayne County in 2002, can now argue for a shorter sentence with parole opportunities. The decision may impact others serving unconstitutional life without parole terms, allowing them to demonstrate rehabilitation. The State Appellate Defender Office expressed gratification, emphasizing the chance for those like Poole to seek justice. We've got uh, some political developments, a a lot of things happening. First of all, the Michigan Chamber of Commerce weighing in on something. Uh, We were talking about uh, uh, the, the Narcan. Mm-hmm. Um, they're saying that the folks in the cannabis industry are being put at risk because of the banking laws surrounding the fact that, I mean, cannabis is still a Schedule One drug, according Federally, to the federal government, that's right. even though it's legal in so many states now. And they said that's putting people at risk because cannabis operations have a lot of cash on hand and several have been knocked over. And those employees have been put at risk. So the Michigan Chamber, along with Common Citizen now, um, joining together to call on the federal government and the Biden administration to finally change the Schedule One classification of, of cannabis. And they say you got to do it to protect these people. But also they said right now the 33,000 people working in the cannabis industry here in the state of Michigan, many of them, because of whom they work for and the businesses that they have, can't get mortgages. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, they, uh, they're... they're Barred from engaging in the economy fully, uh, car and student loans mm-hmm. uh, are not available to them. So they say it's high time to do something about that. Uh, Justin Amash, the former congressman from West Michigan, who quit the Republican Party uh, in in advance of uh, 2020 uh, and became a libertarian, it, is going to. It looks like it's going to run for U.S. Senate. He started an exploratory committee. Committee. Now he hasn't said whether he's going to be running as a libertarian or a Republican. He really kind of uh, spurned the Republicans hard going out the door. and But he says now, this is on X, uh, we need a principled, consistent, constitutional conservative in the Senate, someone with a record of taking on the bipartisan oligarchy, defending sound money and free speech, and fighting the surveillance state and military-industrial complex and protecting all our rights. He believes he's the guy, so he's going to explore it. Uh, I talked to some Republicans yesterday that are really kind of scratching their mm-hmm. heads 
over this. We feel we've got some pretty good candidates in the race already mm-hmm. who didn't resign from the Republican <laughs> Party. Uh, when we come back, we know that the cold weather has really been hard on our homes. Uh, well, we can figure out what we can do about that and also get ready for the Novi Home Show that is coming up today through Sunday. Our inside guy, Chuck Bridenstine, next on JR Morning at 819. You know, change is in the wind, and it means a more reliable energy future for homes and businesses all across Michigan. We know it's a necessity, and consumers' energy does, too. They say keeping the lights on has always been a high priority, but it is job one, and they are spending millions of dollars to make sure that happens. Uh, tree trimming. Do you know that last year they cleared tree branches for more than 7,000 miles of power lines? That's a big down payment on a more reliable energy future for consumers like you and me. Uh, they replace poles with sturdier materials that can withstand higher winds. They've added smart technology that can automatically divert power when there is an outage in one area. They can get it from another Uh, They want to work toward a day with their reliability roadmap when even the worst storm does not affect more than 100,000 customers and that all customers are going to be back on in 24 hours. Consumers Energy, a force of change and a force for you. The Novi Home Show is taking place today through Sunday at the Suburban Collection Showplace. Your go-to destination, really, for the latest in home improvement products and services. WJR's Inside Outside Guys will be broadcasting live from the Novi Home Show this weekend and on the JR Morning Live line to talk about what we can expect and more. Chuck Breidenstein, he is the Inside Guy, and uh, it's nice to have you here this morning on this uh, snowy, chilly Friday. Thank you, Lord, and Guy, you you, got, you guys do a great job, and i got to tell you, I'm so grateful to be the inside guy in this weather. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> Listen, the Novi Home Show, you know, it's like a one-stop shop for all your home improvement needs, and right now in this weather, uh, one of the things that we probably should be doing is uh, getting that home uh, maintenance done uh, this time of year. You, re- <laughs> you really should, and we're excited about the show, certainly. We really strongly advise people to get rid of all the extraneous heating uh, devices that they're using in their home zone, this bitter cold. Uh, we've done the math. We've, we've spent decades studying this. And the, if you've got a gas-forced air furnace, let it do its job. Maybe turn it back a degree or so. You might save 1% to 3% per degree if you turn it back a little bit. But don't be hooking up all these electric old devices that generate heat. They're very expensive, and your bill will actually probably go up, and the comfort in your home will go down. So what do we do, Chuck, if we find out that our forced air system just can't keep up when it's, you know, 25 below out there, and whatever insulation factor we thought we had isn't nearly enough? (laughs) I mean... The easy solution, of course, is to add more insulation, but have it done by a professional. But that's very expensive, and the return on investment, you know, is is going to be there over many, many years. So not everybody's in a position to do that. What my grandmother used to do was add a layer of clothing, which I know sounds trite. Oh, I heard that one. But <laughs> you know, it is effective, and the the truth is, we live in probably three rooms in our house, four rooms maybe kitchen 
television room, master bedroom, master bathroom. So if we can let the house do its job and do as the best job that it can, then we've got to protect ourselves in those rooms. A blanket, an additional layer of clothing, you know, for a few days makes the most sense. If you can plug up some of those leaks, and most of those leaks are in the exterior walls around your windows and doors, that is huge. And there's a product out there, Ken and I have recommended for years, called Seal and Peel, which is a DAP product. It literally is a caulk that anybody can put on and literally caulk their windows shut for the winter and then peel it off in the spring. So you yeah. can open those windows again. It's a great product. That, something like that can make a huge difference, and it's it's inexpensive. It gives you practice caulking, <laughs> make you feel like you've done something, and it's effective. How do we protect our our pipes inside, too, um, uh, Chuck, from this frigid? You know, and and, and just as an aside, Chuck, you, I, I lost <laughs> a pipe day before yesterday because of a crack in a basement window. Didn't yeah. know that that crack was creating enough of a draft that it froze the pipes in a in a in a bathroom we have downstairs. It absolutely will. You know, I have to confess, as a builder for forty five years, that I was initially putting some what we call crap junk windows in basements, um, and they're terrible. Uh, we have a gentleman that will replace those with really good product. Uh, we call it glass block but that, that's almost trite as well. Um, that's, you know, kind of step one. But if you have those windows and can't get Chuck from SPS out there, then caulk them shut. Uh, the 3M shrink wrap product that you've seen, it looks like saran wrap, but you use a blow dryer to shrink yeah. it. That's extremely effective. And there are competitors on the market now that have made that a more affordable product. That used to be really pricey. <laughs> But uh, interior storms, whether they're plastic or actual glass, and there are people that will supply those, are extremely effective in weather like this. I should tell you also, if you haven't got a relationship with a good heating contractor, and I'm not trying to sell our professionals here, but I had a lost heat situation this past week up north at our place. And... My contractor couldn't get to me for two days, but he found a guy that could get to me in an hour mm. because I had a relationship with him. He knew that if he showed up, he'd get cash, <laughs> he'd get taken care of. So we strongly advocate that you maybe get a relationship, just get a clean and check done from a good company. Because if you lose heat today, it might be three or four days before you actually see a professional come out. You know, you guys have been out there uh, in, in the past, uh, Chuck, uh, to uh, at the Novi Home Show. It is really something to see, and it's it's for the family. It's for everyone. It is. It excites us. I don't even know where to begin. It's it's running today, of course, from noon to seven, and after five o'clock, you can get in for five bucks. Uh, tomorrow it runs from ten to seven. Sunday it runs from ten to five. Ken and I will be out there Saturday and Sunday. We'll be broadcasting, but it's a great way to talk to and interact with professionals without necessarily hiring anybody. So kind of the pressure's off, you know, just we tell people, leave your credit card at home (laughs) and just go out and meet people and educate yourself and have fun, Uh, embrace the opportunity. But there's also a lot of free seminars, Lloyd. one of the ones that I'm looking forward to trying to attend is a decluttering, a charitable decluttering seminar. 
We all have stuff in our house that we wish we hadn't stuff. spent money, right? You said it, <laughs> stuff. And you're being very kind yes, in that classification. Is. Yes, he is. Thanks for cleaning it up for us. I'm trying to be, you know, I, I would have used a, a different word perhaps on Saturday or Sunday, but you, you, have, you have to dust it, you have to clean it, you have to move it, you, you look at it and go, why is it there? Yeah. These seminars are intended to show us a way not only to slowly and painlessly declutter, but to do it in a way in which we can get rid of a lot of that stuff and give it to people that need it and maybe even get a tax deduction for it. Yeah. So that's that's one of the many seminars. There's a lot of giveaways there, too. Everybody that's showing up there and investing to be there has some type of giveaway, whether it's a dish of candy, which I get there early in Pelfer, or... <laughs> Some really cool stuff. Ace uh, Great Lakes Ace has a tool package over a thousand dollars in value, and it's one that if I could sign up for it, I would. And I probably got four of every tool made, but I would yeah. still love these. Um, T. Buell uh, Fence Company is giving away Red Wings tickets and a Red Wings grill. Beauchamp is giving away a reverse osmosis water system. Performance remodeling, you can sign up for the $100,000 sweepstakes, and the list goes on. There's probably 35, 40 different uh, exhibitors that are giving away really cool prizes. Uh, Chuck, I just got back from CES. A lot of uh, smart home appliances, a lot of uh, DIY security systems that are really affordable. Um, yeah. Of the new things that are co- that's coming to the home show, we've only got a minute left. But what's the one big never-before-seen thing you're anxious to see? Never before seen thing. You just mentioned one that I'm excited about, and it's the DIY home security that involves remote access with a digital camera. We just love that. Uh, those Bluetooth systems. Yeah, Simply Safe, from- Real Link, those. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, you didn't invite us to that show with you, which we would have really enjoyed. But anyway, notwithstanding that. The, yeah, those products are fantastic, and that's literally what put us on notice that we had a lost heat situation at our north uh, uh, house up north. Right. I love those products, and I strongly advocate for them, and they become really affordable, as you discovered out there. Yeah, and they've also got water sensors, heat sensors, so you'll know that your pipes are freezing. Uh, Chuck, we'll see you. We'll see you out there in Novi. Hit that candy dish. Well, my goodness, what a nice milestone last night at the Breslin Center as Michigan State University men's basketball coach Tom Izzo marked his 500th game on the bench. Wow. And, uh, man, where did the years go? Uh, Joining us uh, for our uh, Friday morning chat with Tom, running a little late today. Uh, Or he is? Great. Uh, We were joined by Tom Izzo and our WJR sports analyst, Steve Courtney. Gentlemen, happy Friday. Back at you, Guy. Good morning once again, my friends. This conversation with Magnum TI brought to you by the Performance Remodeling Sweepstakes. Performance Remodeling, a preferred partner of the Inside Outside Guys, kicked off another $100,000 window of opportunity sweepstakes. Request your Windows Roofing and Siding quote today. Log into WindowsRoofingSiding.com to enter. 
the Performance Remodeling Sweepstakes, a performance indeed for your Michigan State Spartans at the Breslin Center last night, getting a 76-66 win over the visiting Minnesota Golden Gophers. Our next guest looking for some progression from a nice win at home against the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers on Sunday. Didn't quite see it. Uh, There were some issues, but a win is a win. Coach, good morning to you, sir. How are you guys doing? Everything is well. Yeah, everything is fine. And, uh, you know, I know the the, uh, items that you were not happy with, uh, 65% from the charity stripe coach, out-rebounded 38-35, from three, and there were some wide-open threes, as a matter of fact. So uh, talk about that. Yeah, you know, I, I never get really upset about a wide-open three. I do get upset about free throws. I do get upset about, you know, the way we checked at times, uh, just uh, we can't we can't get everybody together at one time. You know, Tyson struggled the first half. And, uh you know, in fact, the first 30 minutes, and then he scores 13 points in the last eight, plays the best defense, and, you know, it's part of the dog days, And uh, but I kind of appreciate my team because they always give me something either to refocus on late at night, not sleep. They do a good job <laughs> keeping me, keeping me um, focused in on the task at hand, so... But I, I, I want to tell them that, you know, I can be with you. We can all be together on this. But, uh, you know, and Minnesota was, was a good team. You know, somebody said to me something last night, guys, that I really do believe. There is no bottom to our league right now. If you look right. back at the last eight years, six years, you know, Northwestern was down there a lot. Uh, uh, Penn State, Rutgers, uh, Nebraska, Minnesota. You know, those teams are – you know, they've beaten Wisconsin. They've beaten Illinois. You know, I mean, it's just so different, and I don't think we're all used to that. So there is no bottom. There's a there's one or two at the top, and then there's a lot in the middle. Coach, you you said that at uh, this time of year, there's two things you got to do. You got to win games, and you got to be progressing every game. Yeah, yeah. Very good. I appreciate you listening to that because I think that is, you know, if you – if you're just trying to survive and keep your job, you got to win games. But if you're trying to, you know, survive and and be great, then you've got to win games and get better each game. And you know, after Christmas is the time to do that. For the most part, we've done a decent job of that. Even though I lost to Illinois, we got better at some things. We just missed some layups. But uh, I thought last night we took a little step backwards uh, from the standpoint of. Uh, having everybody focused in and they changed their lineup. Some things happened. The guy got hurt. And every time that happens, I think it hurts the other team more than it hurts the team that loses the guy. Cause I think you let up a little bit or we really prep for one guy and all of a sudden he's not playing. And those things get a little, uh, a little confusing for players sometimes. It was indeed a night of milestones there, Tom, um, your 698th win, uh, in your 29th year on the Spartan bench, your 500th regular season Big Ten game. Only Bobby Knight uh, with more, I believe, at 504. And Malik Hall eclipses 1,000 career spar- uh, points as a Spartan in prolific fashion, I want to point out, uh, with a monster jam. That was nice to see. Yeah, you know, I, I like I like Malik's a lot better than mine because mine only just proved that I'm getting older. And I'm, <laughs> I, you know, Malik's means he's a player. So mine doesn't mean I'm a player or a coach even. 
I just survived 500 times when you have Big Ten games. But, yeah, I was really happy for Malik. He had a double-double. He was he was probably our best player on the floor last night. And um, we all know, and we've talked about it, Steve, if we can get that going, uh, you know, Jaden, um, you know, AJ, and, uh, and of course, uh, Tyson, you know, they'll get as consistent. It's Malik that's been a little more inconsistent. But if you look at the last six games, He's yes. been pretty consistent other than that Northwestern when he went from not consistent to not existent. <laughs> you know, there's a difference. And uh, if he can just do some things that he's been doing lately, that, that's going to really help us. On the positive side, uh, defensively, uh, forcing Minnesota into 19 turnovers. Meanwhile, Coach, as a team, you only had five. Taking care of the ball, I, I know, brings a smile to your face. It really does. We had two to late in the game, and uh, – we really did some good things, and we got good shots. Jaden, four of his five threes were wide open, and you know, so we felt offensively we played better. We just didn't think we uh, maybe guarded quite like we have been. You know, we got off to a good start. So, I mean, all the things that were problems early, we're taking care of some of them. It's can we put a couple nights together when a bunch of players play well at the same time? And we can put the starts, the finish, the free throws, you know, um, all together at the same time. And I think that then we start really taking some major steps instead of these minor steps. Uh, Maddie, let me ask you this. Uh, the second half, 12-minute mark, thereabouts, Coach. Uh, Maddie at the line. Uh, next thing you know, all hell breaks loose. Uh, and you get a T. Oh, you were hot. What was going on there? Yeah, you know, I, I was, and uh, I don't do that anymore. But uh, <laughs> I, no, I don't. I mean, you, God, I get so few tees, and and I said later that maybe I deserved it, but in my humble opinion, the person that made the call deserved um, the verbal, um, let's just say, conversation. So there you uh, go. Yeah, you know, maybe uh, the problem is that I learned. And I should know this by now. So I say that was a 50-50. I deserve maybe some of it. He deserves some of it. <laughs> but in the end, I lose. Because it's like you guys in the media. You know, Judd used to always say, you can argue with the media, but the barrel never runs out of ink. So they win the battle. Well, the official <laughs> team, and they got two free throws. He won the battle. You know, even if it was 50-50, he won. So I got to be a little smarter. I got news for you, Coach. We don't use ink anymore. We have electrons for that. <laughs> even even same, more plentiful. Same, same difference. Yes, right. You got Twitter, which is worse than ink or anything else. So <laughs> you guys still, you guys still get the upper hand. Put it that way. Well, you got the next two, Coach, uh, on the road, starting with uh, the Maryland Terrapins, high noon on Sunday. Uh, what are the Terrapins up to? Well, they're eleven and seven overall, three and four in conference play like i said tom that's a noon start uh get yourself a win uh get home as yeah, soon as you can and yeah and uh, that we want me to do well so the lions play saturday or sunday sunday right sunday, sunday at uh, three yeah. so you'll be home so in time to watch plane. the uh, second half yeah they better have uh tvs on the plane how's that <laughs> well you guys uh, should go to it uh, you guys, I know, Steve, I know the ticket price is high, but with the money you make there, it should be no problem. You should buy for the entire staff. Oh, yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm down with that, Coach. 
I don't know who you've been talking to, Coach. I'll tell you that much. Well, go support uh, our Lions and Dan and uh, all the guys. It's been a hell of a year, and uh, blow that top off. When I come flying over that thing, I want to see people because we blew the top off the dome. How's that? Yeah, there you go. Perfect. All right, all the best against the Terrapins, Coach. Appreciate it. All right. And, Steve, you have a great weekend. Go Lions. Go Lions, my friend. Have a great one, you guys. You too, Steve. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with an NFL Network and analytics expert about those amazing Lions as we break down the game in advance of the Bucks coming to town. That's next on JR Morning. We did set the record for being uh, noisier than we ever have been at the last uh, playoff game, 133.6 decibels. Kansas City owns the record at 142.2. We know we can do better than that. Yeah, we can. And uh, we'll see if we won't when we take on the Bucks Sunday at 3. Meantime, Bet Online says that 26 states in the nation, based on social media traffic, are Lions fans. That The Lions are getting more social media traction than any other team. As well they should. So they are kind of America's team yeah. now. And amongst those that are still left in the playoffs. Evidence of their national profile, NFL Network's NFL Game Day Morning, going to be broadcasting live from here in Detroit at Ford Field Saturday at noon and then again at the Elwood Bar and Grill Sunday at 11. And Cynthia Freeland's going to be uh, hosting it. She's an NFL Network analytics expert, and she joins us live this morning. Hi, Cynthia. Hello. How are you? We're good. You're staying warm in the Motor City, are you? Well, I'm not there yet. I was just listening to that weather report. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you're an Okemos native, so you know, you know, how, you to know prepare, how it gets here. You can prepare for this. I mean, I know how to prepare for it, but I've, like, lost a lot of it. I live in Southern California, <laughs> so now I'm like, oh, no, it's going to be great. I love it cold, though. It wakes you up. You know, it'll, it'll be good. It'll be good. <laughs> so what do you, as, as, a, as an analytics expert, exactly what are you analyzing, and what stats are you looking at that the average fan maybe isn't that tells us a deeper, you know, understanding of the game? A lot of it is more about, like, knowing, like, here's my analogy, right, like, you know, players. some players are overpaid and some players are underpaid. Well, analytics determines what's paid. Now, that also works for in-game metrics. So when you're talking about, like, what's the most likely or most probable thing that will happen? Well, we know Todd Bowles is going to blitz because he blitzed at the third highest rate in the league. And last week, he actually blitzed at, what, over 53% of the time. So we know that's going to happen. All right, cool. Well, what do the Lions do against the blitz? Okay, well, they add an extra offensive lineman. They – create opportunities to you know for david montgomery to run the ball things like that so you know you look at what is most likely to happen or what are the trends and then where can you stay with the trend or be a trend breaker right so realistically you you want to say like okay well what are the what's the most likely way where the the lines o line is going to keep jared goff clean and then they can get play action going and then they can stay you know 21 for 21 again right which is what we would like (laughs) Mm -hmm. because when he was that not under pressure last week, Jared Goff was perfect. So um, that's the type of thing where you're looking for the trends and why and where it's going to happen and or where not, right? Like, is it the interior of the defensive front? Is it the outside of the edge rushers coming? But, you know, and, and where who matches up against whom and how might this all fit together? You know, uh, Cynthia, I know what some of your colleagues may have been saying about the Lions before, but since <laughs> since we've been winning, what have, what have they been saying about the Lions? Because, you know, it seems like, uh, you know, the Lions are the underdog. They're America's team. Uh, and I'd just like to know what some of your colleagues were, are saying about the Lions at this point. 
Well, <laughs> on on uh, Christmas Eve, when the Lions locked up the opportunity to host a home playoff game, I was actually on air, and I was, like, crying and, like, laughing at the same time because I was crying. It was kind of a weird mix of sensations, and all the emotions came, and literally all my colleagues were like, this is so cool for you. This is what sports is all about, staying loyal and true, and, you know, sit there, and I'm like, I kept checking my app, and then I kept realizing that the last time the Lions won a home playoff game there were no apps so this week i was like wow that's crazy (laughs) so everyone's been a lot more excited about it obviously you know dan campbell's given electric uh pressers since he started so people already love that but now i think people are really like jared goff like i think especially you know we're in southern california right we're we literally our studio is at sofi stadium so you know, we, we've watched the Rams kind of evolution and every single one of us, you know, I, I was obviously very excited for Matthew Stafford when he won the Super Bowl, but it's like, wow, like the Lions, all right, it, it feels like there's this like momentum and gravity around it that you can't really, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty hard to explain in words, but you can feel it. It's amazing how this team reflects his culture so much and that he has become, even more than a lot of our star players, the national face of the Lions. Have have you ever seen a coach? I mean, I would you know you might say Bill Cower and it, it, with the Steelers, but have you ever seen a coach become the face of the team to the degree that Dan Campbell is? No, usually it's like one thing, like Bill Belichick with his cutoff hoodies, or you know, like a like a either a fashion statement or like like a funny presser moment, like Jim Mora at the playoffs, stuff like that, right? But it's never so consistent. Like you see. All of the things, like, I can't imagine a time when I've seen more of the, you know, when you go in the locker room and give the game ball, like, it's always on national TV, what Dan Campbell's doing, saying what the Lions locker room looks like after a win. You know, that's that's something I can't remember happening. Every, you know, again, other ones, Brian Dable last year used to see him, like, dance or whatever. But, no, no, every single week you see Dan Campbell. Yeah, you got to wonder when this guy's going to get some endorsement deals like Andy Reid. I mean, he's, <laughs> right. he, he is he is he is such an incredible media uh, machine, and and he's so quotable. You got to wonder if, if, if that isn't going to be something that comes his way after this. I mean, I would love to be his agent. He's the easiest, most marketable person on the planet. So I'm just sitting there being like, I'll go get a marketing deal. Like, I'll get Ben Johnson some Michigan-based marketing deals, too. I keep telling everyone, keep your grubby paws off of my offensive coordinator. And now <laughs> I woke up this morning, keep your grubby paws off my defensive coordinator, too. But I get mad about it. So I'll work on the deals for all of them so they all potentially stay. <laughs> you know, all this excitement, Cynthia, is really coming at a great time because uh, just in a couple of months we'll have the NFL draft here in the city of Detroit. So it's all kind of the moon and the stars are kind of coming together. I mean, I'm – like the draft is my – analytics in the draft are kind of – that's that's where you make your hay. If you're – every every team has an analytics department, and I've, I'm trying to like – on TV show you what those departments are doing behind the scenes. You kind of get this like inside look as to how teams might strategize. And the draft is probably the easiest and also hardest. It's easiest to understand from an outsider's point of view, but hardest to actually do. That is my very favorite type of content from quarterbacks to, I mean, off-ball linebackers. And obviously Detroit knows about drafting those like, you know, this year, that's so hard to explain to people who are kind of more casual fans. So that's been a really fun challenge that I've really enjoyed. But the draft, it's going to be so much fun. Cynthia Freeland, we're going to enjoy watching you live from Ford Field Saturday and Sunday and at the Elwood on Sunday. 
Uh, take You're care. You're going to come down there, right? I'm, I, yeah, I'll brave the. I know, I know they have all kinds of things to keep us warm there at the Elwood. Yes, they so do. Uh, we will. Uh, we will certainly put that down for this weekend. Enjoy your time in the Motor City. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for the opportunity, and thank you so much for the time this morning. All right, and thank you. By the way, we got James Houston back in action on Sunday. Go Lions. Take care. We'll see you Monday.